Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charlie Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, is Nathaniel Paul Thurston. Still, still not in the studio. You're over. I'm not. You're just over there. I'm keeping it safe over here, staying away from you and your d- different diseases that you have. <laughs> and uh, so, Look, yeah, we I'm just tested out. negative for all kinds of stuff. So you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. Well, that's even worse because you've got some kind of undisclosed, undiscovered disease, and you've got this Smyrna virus that's going to be coming out all over the place. We don't know. Yeah, it's you know, actually what exactly it is. Actually, came from my home lab. I've been building. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's a retaliation against China. We're sort hoping of. it makes it over there. But I'm trying to compete with them. You know, that's, that's exactly what I'm doing. But, uh, anyway, welcome guys to the good morning Liberty podcast. Thanks for joining in as always. Thanks for being a listener and a subscriber to those of you that are subscribed, which is most of you. It's just unbelievable. The numbers actually. So thank you for subscribing. Those of you that have not yet subscribed, I'm reintroducing the sip and scan code. If you're watching live, you can see it right here on this Coke zero can I've got sip and scan. You just look at that thing and then you press subscribe on your phone and it that's how easy it works it's free yeah you don't have anything else to do there's no gimmicks there's no there's no nothing else you just hit subscribe and uh then every time we record an episode and push it out to you 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 get it free of charge and so there's no reason not to subscribe and i'm talking to the eight percent of you out there that aren't you come in as guests, and we want you to leave as friends. That's what we those want. Those evil, evil eight percenters. Those are the people that have <laughs> to really get to work here. You know, it's just a small percentage of the population is controlling our entire podcast number count right now. And uh, I don't think that math works out, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay, they're they're hoarding all of the podcast subscriptions, and they need to stop. They all need to get on board. And we want them to become the 99%, you That's know, right. and then we can just be mad at the 1%. Exactly. For sure. We have all kinds of news items today. I, w- I thought it'd be cool to go through a timeline of this whole thing that's going on right now. I don't know if you know what thing I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I wanted to tell everyone that I, you can blame me. I played hooky yesterday on tax day. And so I, I want to apologize for, for not being able to get an episode done. Plus we had some technical difficulties, you know, Doing this podcast across the lake, you know, there's a lot of catfish in there, but it's a pretty big lake. Like if, well, actually, if I could, if I had a boat, I could probably get to Nate's house in roughly, what would you say? Five to seven minutes? Probably. I think. Yeah. You just shoot right across. As long as you have good navigation. Yeah. I don't know. Um, But that's how far away we live from each other. Probably, probably 10 minutes most, but you have to go all the way around it. I think it's cool that we can describe how far away we live by boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. But you have to go all the way around that wa- that that town that's underground, Percy Priest town. It's underground. It's underwater. Um, and you have to go all the way around it. But anyway, since then, uh, you guys have probably noticed we've uh, had a few audio issues uh, that we have been working on correcting. Some episodes have been really good. Some episodes not so great. And, uh, so we have kind of revamped that. And I think today's episode is going to sound banging. Yeah. I'm pretty so, pumped about it. Yeah. So it looks like we're probably going to have to do this, um, remotely for, I guess the next year. I don't know. Nate's not talking about coming over until next summer, uh, back to the office. So we'll see what happens between now and then. But, uh, 
I think, I think we got it working. So we had that. Then we had tax day yesterday. I was like, I was just not feeling it yesterday, unfortunately. And I just wanted to apologize. That's all. That's all I wanted. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You were pretty depressed yesterday and we have a good, uh, we have a good article to add in about that, about this small business thing that's going on. You know, they're, 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 uh, withholding any more small business stimulus uh, for political reasons is basically what's happening right now. And that's pretty interesting. Not that I think we should have a lot of stimulus of money that doesn't exist. In fact, I just like to type numbers into my own bank account and say that the money exists. Why don't you just let me do that? What's the difference? Yeah, why do I have to do go that? through some institution to do yeah, that? Yeah, why do they have to allocate it and decide who's going to get it? Why can't I just type a random number into my bank account? So that obviously that makes no sense. We'll get to that article in just a second. I wanted to show you. Now listen, take this thing seriously. You, you know, you don't want to kill your grandma. You don't want to do anything like that. Take it seriously. But listen take to responsibility. What, Take responsibility for what's going on. You take responsibility for not being uh, harmful to anyone else in your life that you care about. So do that. But what's going on in New York City is kind of crazy. Now, I'm not saying that these aren't deaths from coronavirus, anything like that. But let's just look at this article from the New York Times. It's from the New York Times, and it's about New York City. And the New York Times is obviously left-leaning for sure, or all the way on the left, whatever you want to say. New York City death toll soars past 10,000. Now, this is from two days ago. Soars past 10,000 in revised virus count. So they've revised the virus count here, okay? That's what we New do York- with most other statistics, by the way. Yeah. You know, death counts and all, all kinds of other stuff. We just revise them. We just go ahead and just... Add to them if we feel well, normally, like it. What normally happens is they offer some type of a BS number to start with, and then they revise it to the real number that's like been checked with ledgers and accounting afterwards. And then they do the revision. Here's what it actually was. Yeah. What they're doing here is they're actually going from what they had confirmed as cases and they're revising them to cases that they think might have been coronavirus. Well, Nate, <laughs> so, it is 2020. We we base things off of how we feel. Yeah. It doesn't matter what numbers say and it's feelings over facts, honestly. Ben Shapiro's wrong. Facts don't care about your feelings. Well, I say my feelings don't care about your facts. Feelings don't care about your facts. And that's just the way it is. It's 2020. Come on now. That's feelings good. feelings above all. Yeah. So, right. um, New York City, already a world epicenter Wait, of the this, coronavirus. Sorry, this is coming from New York Times, so you know this is quality journalism. Okay. Oh, yeah. They're jur- journalism at its finest right now, yes. as Ben Shapiro would say. New York City, already a world epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak, sharply increased its death toll by more than 3,700 victims on Tuesday after officials said they were now including people who have never tested positive for the virus but are presumed to have died from it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first paragraph, by the way. Hang on, read that again. Read the ending of that again. Okay. Uh, they sharply increased its death toll by more than 3,700 victims on Tuesday after officials said they were now including people who have never tested positive for the virus but were presumed to have died from it. Wow. Never tested positive but presumed to have died of it. And this is what we're dealing with here. How do you die? That from, makes complete sense. Up, uh, how do you die from the coronavirus? What what ends up being your cause of death? Is it pneumonia? Is Bas- that, yeah, is basically that... drowning. I think. Okay. Yeah. For for most people, your your lungs fill with fluid, and then you can't breathe. And because you can't breathe, uh, 
that, then you die. How do you die from the flu? Uh, basically the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Your lungs fill with fluid. Can't get the fluid out. How many um, people typically die from the flu every year? In the United States? Yeah. Uh, it's typically between 20 and 60, 80,000, between 20 and 80,000, okay. somewhere around there. So if someone dies of uh, pneumonia, basically, um, you presume that it's coronavirus then, right? You, That's what you do. Well, it sounds like it. Okay. In Making sure. Um, Making sure. We just presume that it's the coronavirus. Yeah. I, I mean, the coronavirus has rights, okay? It's got to be proven guilty <laughs> in a court of tests, and this is not happening. Now, this paragraph I just read you was right above the photo, which is the first thing everyone looks at. This is literally placed where you would just scan directly past it because the article always starts after the photo. This paragraph was before the photo in the article. Here's the rest of it. New figures released by the city's health department drove up the number of people killed in New York City to more than 10,000 and appeared to increase the overall United States death count by 17% to more than 26,000. The numbers brought into clearer focus the staggering toll the virus has already taken on the largest city in the United States, where deserted streets are haunted by the near-constant howl of ambulance sirens. Far more people have died in New York City on a per capita basis than in Italy, the hardest hit country in Europe. The numbers brought into clearer focus. Oh, I already read that. What New Yorkers are interested in and what the country is interested in is that we have an accurate and complete count. Dr. Barbo or Barbot, I don't know. It's part of the healing process that we're going to have to go through. These revised death toll renewed focus on shortcomings and testing that have hamstrung city and state officials since the beginning of the outbreak. A limited number of tests have been available and until now, the only deaths where a person had tested positive were officially counted among those killed by the virus. But now we get to count people who have not tested positive for it. Just unbelievably amazing. Yeah. I mean, well, what I don't understand is, okay, you could verify this, you know, so if somebody tests negative, for instance, you know, my house tested negative, but they tested us two weeks late. So, so we came back negative and now it is possible that we still had it. The way to tell that is you can do a very false negative rate so far. Yeah. The 5% false negative rate, but you could tell if somebody had it very easily by doing the antibody test. And so I don't understand like these people that have died when you did, when they did a, um, um, well, what's it called when somebody, um, it's, I want to say, uh, autopsy, autopsy. That's what it is. I don't know why I couldn't think of it. I was thinking of morbidity still. Um, when you do an autopsy on that person, you just do run an antibody test and then you can actually confirm, be like, okay, this person tested negative, but they died of similar symptoms. Let's see if they have antibodies for it. Yep. They do. Well, we can count this person, but no, 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 no. We don't have to do that. We'll just go ahead and count them because it makes everything look worse. And the thing is, this is serious. You know, we'll find out the actual numbers like three or four years from now when their computers that are from 1959 have finished their upload from the three and a half floppy A drive. And we'll finally figure out uh, how many people actually died from this this year. And my fear is it's going to be way, way less. There's going to be way more people that have actually had it. Maybe we've started having this since last November, something like that. And there's actually millions of more people that have had it. They're overcounting the people who have died so far. And our, our death rate is actually about the same as the flu. And we're just going through some type of a, a, a flu season right now. 
that's that's happening. And the, the other thing I'm worried about is since you roughly die the same way from the flu that you would die from the coronavirus. Coronavirus is a little quicker and a little bit worse, I believe, although I don't know how it could be worse because they both end up with the worst. So uh, I don't know how you could really say that. It's a little bit quicker. You kind of drown a little bit quicker, I believe. But it both ends up being what is basically pneumonia is the way that you're going to die. And so now what I'm worried about is you die from pneumonia. Are they testing these people for the flu to make sure that they don't have the flu? That's what I want to know. I, w- I want to actually know that. And we probably won't ever know that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, well, someone's going to have to actually do the work and I don't have the time. And at the end so. of the day, it's all Trump's fault, basically. Yeah, because obviously. What this article tried to point out is that they have been hamstrung by the the testing and all of that. Um, so the limited number of tests that have been available, uh, and until now, only deaths where a person had tested positive were officially counted. They're trying to say, we weren't prepared for this. Um, we should have been. We need to make the numbers look worse because it's all Trump's fault. And uh, at, at the end of this, I'm surprised they didn't say vote for Biden. The, the other <laughs> thing they said was that uh, far more people have died in New York City on a per capita basis than in Italy. And the interesting part to remember about that is they're carrying uh, they're they're comparing um, the most heavily populated city, the highest population density city that the United States has to an entire country. Yeah, we would first off need to compare the two heaviest populated areas like Milan would, or would be Rome. the best way to do that. Uh, but they compared the entire country, which takes into account the death rates per capita of all over the country. There's about 60 million people in the country. Yeah. Here's the other thing that's important to remember is that New York City has a population density of 10,000 people per kilometer squared. That is the population density in New York. Since they compared it to Italy, I figured we should look at that, which is about 300 people per kilometer squared. And if you want to compare countries, if if you want to compare countries, deaths, deaths per million, we're still doing pretty well. We're now up to even with the inflated numbers, because if you look at it now, it says it's a 5% mortality rate. Um, but uh, deaths per million is 101, and Italy is 367, almost four times the amount of deaths per million population as a country. Uh, Spain, even higher than that now, 409 deaths per million population. Um, pretty, pretty insane uh, how yeah. high those mortality rates are in those countries. But, you know, the United States is doing a bad job. That's uh, Obviously, and this is Trump's fault. And yeah. um all the other countries have done an amazing job, and and if they would have had Trump, then far more people would have died in their country. So right. we, that's the only thing you need to take from that. You know, the worst thing about this, all this that's happened this year, is that it's made us spend so much time defending Trump, and I I just did not really want to go down that route where we just spent all of our time defending Trump, but when you look at what he's being uh, put up against, which is the most disgusting political partisanry that I've ever seen in all my 32 years on this earth. I have never seen anything like this before. And uh, I, I, if I were him, 
like, listen, I, if I were where he was right now, I would freaking quit. I'm just telling you that. That's what I would do. I wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow Trump said, you know what? It was a whole lot better being a billionaire. They got to grab women wherever I wanted. I'm going to go back to doing that. OK, I don't know why he is still doing this. I never understood why he was doing this other than a marketing ploy for his business. He enjoys but, the game, I think. I think he does. Maybe he's a tyrant. Maybe he enjoys the power. I don't know. Maybe he just enjoys having the power. Um, I, I'm not really sure, but it's a uh, it's what did uh, Sam said? We have the most cases of COVID-19 in the world, but at least we've reduced respiratory failure, heart attacks, and pneumonia. Yeah, I mean, that's the uh, the other thing is someone said. I think it was Sam that said earlier that uh, you die from Corona by being forced by the government to stay home and be unproductive. That's the other thing that we're still not taking into account. I finally heard it on Joe Rogan's podcast I was listening today. And the per- the scientist that he had on there said that we have got to talk about w- the numbers on this and whether or not uh, – is there a – can you put a price tag on a human life? Like that's the question. And the problem is since everyone needs an economy, everyone needs production, everyone needs food, everyone needs shelter, everyone needs things that come from an economy because very few of us produce everything that we need here at our house. We all need an economy so we can so we can live. So you do eventually have to ask, uh, how worth it is it to destroy the economy for people who don't produce everything that they need so they need to be able to buy things from people so they can keep going? Uh, how beneficial is it to destroy that economy and to send us into a depression? Do you actually end up saving any lives or do you end up costing lives? My argument still is that the economic response to the coronavirus by the governments and by the 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 media, the way they've talked about it, the emotions running rampant inside of everyone, I think the economic response to this is going to kill far more people than the virus ever will. That's that. I still stand by that. Honestly, the death toll could go up to 100,000, and I would still think the economic response is going to kill more people than the virus ever will. And it'll so, never be talked about. No, that's, that's it the won't. Problem. Because you, it's an unseen thing. That's They only care about the scene. Look, if we wouldn't have done this, then this many more people would have died. Well, you can't tell me how many people died because they committed suicide or they couldn't get uh, adequate care and they took years off of their lives because they weren't doing their yearly checkups and they're all those got canceled for a while and people missed going to whatever it was. I don't, you know, there's a billion different things. Maybe crime is higher. Maybe there's more robberies taking place. Maybe more, uh, married couples are together and there's more domestic violence happening right now. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things that happen when you decide that you're going to send your entire economy into a depression and we need to talk about those numbers. I was glad to finally hear someone and Rogan also himself saying like, yeah, you've got to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, you know, even Trump, a- even Trump in the last few press conferences has been talking about that. That's why he's he's announcing the economic uh, board today. Early indications, I believe, Nate, you were telling me uh, Jeff Bezos and Mark Cuban and Tim Cook and some of your, uh, you know, powerful, evil, greedy CEOs. Um and, and yeah. entrepreneurs are going to be part of this economic advisory board. Um, and so lately he's been talking about the same thing. He's like, look, if we don't open up a back up, open the economy back up, it's going to be worse than this virus, which is true. Um, the other thing is, did you see the other day when Trump basically played 
a campaign ad during the press briefing. It was, <laughs> and he I even saw, got called out by by the. We called out by a uh, reporter and he was like, what are you talking about? I got way more clips yeah. than that, you know, and the way he spun it was so good. I mean, it literally was a free campaign ad. You've got, you know, six, eight, 10 million people turning into these press briefings <laughs> and he's going to play a political ad about how terrible the media has been and how well of a job that he's done all for free. Unbelievably, like yeah. just so smart. I think, yeah, I think that's that's what I was going to say. It's unbelievably smart. I mean, these things are campaign ads. What do you think? All of his questions are tailored to to make people think. Like, it is a live campaign ad all the time. Yeah. That's what White Why House Why do you think he's doing his own on. press briefings? Yeah. I mean, never before mm -hmm. has the president really done this. I mean, they'll do a couple updates from the Oval Office or something, but he is coming out there every single day and doing his own press briefings. It's, it's his unbelievable. Campaign, it, it's campaign events every single day. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. And it's genius. He's getting more people to watch him now every single day talking about this than he would have been able to get to come to his actual Rallies. campaign events. Yeah. You know, like it, it's genius on his part for sure. And you just think about the coverage that he's getting talking every single day versus the coverage that Joe Biden is getting doing his little dimly lit, terrible green screen uh, live streams <laughs> that he's been doing. Yeah. I just saw the most ridiculous green screen he was doing the other day. They did not think to try and make the background to scale with Joe Biden whatsoever. It was like a like they forgot and they blew up the background so big that he looked like a mini Joe Biden for a minute. And then it got adjusted <laughs> afterwards. I was like, he's literally not in this nice library or anything. He's in this little room that's got a green screen behind him. Like yeah. that, that's what's actually happening. It it's was hilarious. Uh, it's pretty funny. Um, so the other thing, Oh, Charlie, tell me about the small business thing and the fact that they have ran out some money. Yeah. Ran man. Out. So, uh, is this article in here? Yeah, it's the second. Yeah, article. let me let me get up to this because I was going to. Well, we're going to get to this later in the episode, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys about it. But coming soon, there are reports you guys have probably seen that it's possible this virus never started in a market, and so we're going to get to that. Um, but first, let me tell you about all these small business loans that no longer exist. So this coming from Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. This did not have to happen. McConnell McCarthy blast Democrats for blocking funds for small businesses. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy slammed Democrats and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in a statement on Wednesday for refusing to replenish the Paycheck Protection Program of the CARES Act, which will result in harm to Americans. Quote, the Small Business Administration and the Department of Treasury report that the Paycheck Protection Program will exhaust its funding in a matter of hours. The two said in a statement, it will have to stop accepting applications for job-saving loans. Democrats have spent days blocking emergency funding for Americans' paychecks, and now the bipartisan program has run dry. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported, the Paycheck Protection Program was on track to exhaust most of its initial allocation of $350 billion in the early morning hours Thursday, with the Small Business Administration saying it had approved more than 1.5 million loans valued at more than $324 billion as of late Wednesday, and loans were continuing to be processed. Both Democrats and Republicans want to add $250 billion to the small business aid program, but have been sparring for days over whether to add restrictions to the funds. 
Democrats want to expand access to the loans as well as include more money for hospitals, food assistance, and state and local governments. Republicans, meanwhile, said they want to keep the bill focused on increasing small business aid and defer other funding debates until the next broader legislation is crafted. Quote, this did not have to happen. Republicans have been sounding the alarm for more than a week. Last Thursday, Senate Republicans tried to pass a narrow and clean bill that would have simply put more money into this critical program without changing any of the underlying policies that passed the Senate and the House unanimously. Democrats blocked it. Even as the program is saving millions of American jobs, Speaker Pelosi uh, has said she sees no data as to why we need to keep funding it. Now, look, (laughs) we're against bailouts, okay, first and foremost, against them. Um, And you have to wonder, out of the one and a half million loans that have been processed, how many of those were like states and cities? Um, Because they were allowed to get into this, too, by the way. Um, Yeah. So I wonder how many of them uh, were approved in that funding the governments that apply for it probably got first dibs too i would say they're like yeah. oh we'll just transfer it from our treasury to your treasury <laughs> it's now one a, it's a treasury transfer they probably could do that online they both have the same cobalt system one thing they could have done on this is they could have used their brains slightly just a little bit to the side if there were industries that maybe shouldn't be involved in this bailout just potentially like grocery stores, maybe. Do you think grocery stores are hurting for cash right now? Do you right. think they're out of money? Well, you know, why is it? And he told me the story and I've talked about talking about it on the podcast. Why is it that my dad can apply for one of these small business loans when his profits have only gone up? And all he has to do is keep paying people just like he's been paying people the same way. He actually needs to hire more people because they're so busy all the time. And he gets to get one of these loans. Like they're, this is the inefficiency. Like Marie said, and they're 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 completely inefficient, especially when it comes to allocating money. This was not a smart allocation of money. I'm sure on several fronts, a lot of people actually need it, and they're going to take out these loans uh, from their grandchildren's savings accounts, and they're all totally fine with that. But they, a lot of people, did not need this. That are receiving this, and they should have. This is the thing when you're doing a blanket thing for the entire country and the entire economy. Well, how do you pick and choose every single little situation? Like, how, how do you do that? You don't. You allow the local banks and you allow the, the local businesses like that to pick and choose the situation. That's who you have actually allocate the money properly. Mm-hmm. That, that's the way that you actually do it. And that's not what they did. It's just, oh, you have a small business? Okay, apply for this. If you keep the same payroll, then everything, you, know, you can actually get a forgiven loan. Well, don't doesn't matter if you have been making more money during this crisis. That doesn't matter whatsoever. We're still going to give you free money. Why is that? Why is that a thing? And why is it that some businesses that are failing still, that maybe were late in filing their paperwork for some odd reason, uh, can't get access to the money now? That shouldn't exist, whatever, but they can't get access to the money when businesses that are completely profitable uh, were able to get the free money. It's it's just a completely asinine system that makes no sense yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, and this is why we're against bailouts to begin with because the, you, know, you could just see the writing on the wall this type of thing was going to happen. We'd already talked about they're planning on passing more stimulus and the Fed is saying, yeah, we'll just give you whatever. We'll print whatever needs to be printed. It doesn't matter. None of it exists anymore anyway. Uh, why does it matter if we just add, you know, instead of adding $4 trillion to the debt, we'll just go ahead and add, you know, 20 I don't see why we just don't do that. 
I know the Democrats I was reading, they, they want to give uh, families um, $2,000 a month for like three months. Yeah. So I wonder how much that's going to cost. Uh, and, and of course, and none of it, I don't know. This is why this is just one example uh, of many of why bailouts to begin with are a terrible idea and it shouldn't happen. Now I will tell you as a business owner, uh, I'm going to apply for free money. Now I didn't get in on the first round of this paycheck paycheck protection program, but I'm not worried <clears> about that. It'll probably come up again um, for me to be able to get in. I, I did submit the initial application, but I haven't finished filling out the rest of it. Um, however, I did fill out the disaster relief one. So I'm looking for that grant for, for our business purposes. Now, uh, as of right now, our contracts, nothing's really been affected in the healthcare world or what we're doing in other areas of our business. But, uh, you know, the contracts could be altered over the summer, let's say, and there's no reason not to get free money to, to do that. Now you mentioned one thing, Nate, that made me hesitate for a second. I was like, ah, am I borrowing this money from my children and grandchildren in a sense? Yes. But haven't they already <laughs> stolen it from me? I mean, like I've mentioned before, but like we could literally hire another person and give them a pretty decent salary for the amount of taxes that we have to pay. You know, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the productive money that's being taken from small businesses like mine and small businesses across the country. Yeah. My, my idea on this has always been, uh, by the way, that Bernie Sanders, $2,000 a month plan with even if a hundred, only a hundred million people are receiving that would cost about $200 billion a month. Um, just to do that, that's only for a hundred million people. I was just trying to check. I mean, we have 180 million people that work. No, what's the amount of people that work? It was 170 minus 17 million so far. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's actually a lot more than that. You're looking at half a trillion dollars every single month is, is what's going to end up going out if if that happens. Yeah. When it comes to taking the money, um, as a libertarian, listen, I've always had the mindset that if they're going to make the money available and someone is going to take it, then it might as well be a productive libertarian that takes it. Because here's the deal. It's not as if you don't take it, therefore they don't spend the money and it goes back and they lower taxes by a percentage point and that's what happens. Right. It's not like it's if not you stand on principle there that it's not you're still not going to get screwed. Yeah. So it's like a principle thing. Uh, we do healthcare software coding and if for some reason the uh, government takes over the healthcare system and then they are looking for people to do software coding and they're paying a lot of money for it. Does that mean you're not going to take the contract right. from them? It's, it's going to come from tax money, but here's the problem. They're going to pay the money out. And so I've always had the mindset that I, no one standing on principle is going to do a single thing to stop this from happening. I want, if that money is going to be doled out for that money to go in the hands of the most productive and responsible individuals that it can. Now, the idea that you already paid it in taxes is a, is a dead point. They spent it. You can't make an argument for that. The money that you paid in taxes does not exist. It's gone. Marie they says, don't have an account. Marie says yeah. get screwed or get screwed. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Those are and your listen, options. You're going to already pay the taxes to pay back everyone else's. You might as well take that money and do something productive with it so you can make some of the money back to pay the taxes on it that you're already going to have to pay. (laughs) These guys followed that and good job. It's a never ending cycle. But no, it's just the idea. You know, I said the same thing when uh, 
they were talking about doing the stimulus checks and my wife and I should be getting that 2400 I guess and and uh, my wife said no we're going to we're going to donate that we're going we can't we don't need that we're not going to take that and i was like hold on a second hold on what? my You're first like, initial what <laughs> my initial reaction was how much money do you pay a year in taxes like you know we pay like 16 to 20 grand a year in taxes is what's coming out all the time I don't know so much of them giving us 2,400 bucks is all that bad of a deal. You know, I kind of feel like they still owe us more money. But the reality of the situation is that money is gone. You're not taking back money from this account that they've taken your taxes and they put your tax money in this account and it's sitting there. That money's gone. It's non-existent. The money that you're taking is not from your tax money. It's from your kid's tax money. So yeah, you've just got to be okay with rationalizing that, Charlie, and you'll be fine. <laughs> So are you guys going to keep the $2,400? Oh, yeah, for sure. Probably going to buy more stocks. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Just send it into investments. Yeah. Exactly. I was wondering if, <laughs> if she was like, we're going to donate that to charity if you were going to file for divorce. <laughs> I am going to donate it to businesses by investing in their companies. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. So, And if you happen you to get a return, great. That's That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm going to invest in their companies for about three minutes. People helping people. Take, <laughs> take my money back. <laughs> people helping people. It's a powerful yeah. thing. You yeah. know, before we get into this, uh, the timeline here, I wanted to walk through a, a, a good uh, message we got on Patreon. This is from uh, Nick. So Nick, thanks for being a supporter. And also thanks for sending this question. He, he wanted to know basically where we have spoken about what individuals can do uh, to protect their liberty. Um, so a couple things I had said to him in the reply is, you know, first I need to find where we have talked about this in the podcast and send him some examples. And then, but, but what I really want you guys to know when it comes to, you know, we were talking about taxes and, you know, there it's already gone. Um, you know, your liberty is kind of already stolen that aspect. Like what, what can we do? Um, and so I, I would, I would say number one, you know, we talk a lot about on this show about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And to encompass all of that, you have to adopt a mindset of personal responsibility and understand that your rights really don't mean anything unless you take responsibility for them uh, and, and unless you take responsibility for your own life. And so if you're always, you know, blaming government or you're blaming other people for your ailments in life, well, you have given them all of the power to have that control over you. And what I said is, is if even if things happen to you that aren't your fault, and this is difficult for a lot of people to understand, um, but you know, it's not really my idea, but I think it's a brilliant idea that even if you take responsibility for things that aren't technically your fault, what that does is that actually you take the power for yourself to make those changes. I've always said it doesn't matter what's actually happening in the market or what the government's doing or anything like that. There is still a way to win. And if you want to win, you'll find that way to win. And so and you do that by adopting the, per the personal responsibility. And the other thing I would say is um, never stop educating yourself on what your rights are and what uh, is, av is available to you to protect those uh, whether it be when you get pulled over by a cop or you're charged for a crime, I, I tend to think legally on these types of things in essence, because, um, when somebody's threatened, threatening you to put somebody's threatening to put you in a cage, 
there's where you most want to understand your education. Um, because even if you don't defend yourself, you want to make sure your lawyer doesn't suck. Um, especially if you can't afford one and they appoint you somebody that's just having a bad day or, or has a caseload that's impossible to <clears throat> overcome. And so you kind of want to understand at least some of those things. I'm not saying you have to be an internet lawyer, but I, I think the more you educate yourself and the more you understand your rights and those types of things, you can avoid, avoid a cage. And ultimately that's the goal. You want to be able to make it through life and avoid cages. <laughs> the, the third thing I said was that you have to come up with for you and yourself, you have to come up with where you draw the line at. And Nate and I have had this discussion because we're best friends and I'm not going to tell you where you should draw lines. That's for everyone to decide. But I will say at some point, and I only know this because of history. If you go back and you study history at some point when your rights are taken away to a certain point, once it crosses that line, uh, eventually it leads to mass caging. <laughs> uh, we've seen prison camps and gulags and, uh, you know, exterminations and complete bloody tyranny with hundreds of millions of people dying. And I would much rather fight for my Liberty after the line is crossed than end up in a prison camp. You know, if I, if I die fighting for Liberty to me, that's better. I don't know if you've ever seen Braveheart. Nate still hasn't. You should watch that tonight, Nate. That's a part of your assignment, actually. I don't know. Um, or at least this weekend. Um, you know, he talks about how if you run from the battle, you'll live at least a while. Um, but would you trade all of that from this day till your last day to just live one day in freedom? And I think you have to ask yourself that philosophical question and what you're willing to do. I know there's a few things like if they actually pass an order to give up all your guns um, and they come to my door, I'm not giving them up. Um, yeah, I didn't say it right. You're right, Maurice. It's freedom. <laughs> and he gets everybody <clears throat> That's fired. That's basically up. all you need to know. Yeah. Um, and, and two, like, what about taxes? Like, I don't know if, if they're stealing over half your income, what are you working for? Um, so it's those types of things you just have to come up with yourself. And so what do you do as an individual? Well, I think that you prepare yourself as much as you possibly can take responsibility for things in life and then find out for yourself when it, <clears throat> when will it come time for you to, <laughs> to stand up and say, I will no longer, I will no longer stand for this. Um, now I believe that we still have an opportunity through what we're doing right now by spreading the message, getting people like what young Americans for Liberty is doing is getting Liberty legislators elected at the state level. Hopefully eventually those people can go onto the federal level and enact change like Justin Amash and Thomas Massey and Rand Paul. Mm -hmm. I still think we have a diplomatic approach to this. Um, and so what, what can you do as an individual? Well, you can continue to spread the message of Liberty and just keep talking about it. If, if, if we talk about it to you and you talk about it to your friends and then they start talking about it to their friends, eventually this grassroots movement can go mainstream, man. That's the main thing I, I would look at is, is making sure if you're going to be proactive and trying to grow the Liberty movement, yeah, you can figure out all your defensive positions 
and all of those things, I want to look at what can you do other than just complaining all day, which is something that we fall into all the time. It's so easy to complain, especially in what is the craziest situation that I think any anyone has seen since like World War II. This I mean, is this unprecedented is like, podcasting even. Yeah, this is, <laughs> I mean, we started a trading class and had a podcast going when this when this whole thing happened. And that's just pretty crazy, honestly. But what, what I would look at doing is uh, the last thing Charlie ended with, which is uh, becoming, first off, become educated and know what your ideas are. Be open to other ideas. Listen to other people's ideas. But um, become as educated as you possibly can and try to spread that around to as many people as possible. Talk to your friends Make your friends as diehard a libertarian as you are. If you can do that, what happens when a few of them go do that with their friends and then you do it with your family and then that just keeps happening. So you you get your house in order to do Jordan Peterson here. You get your you clean your room and then you go out and you get your house in order and then you talk to your family and friends and then those people help the community and then those communities help. Uh, that just keeps going. You know the thing. So as as that happens, uh, that's how we can kind of grow this movement. And it starts with each person taking personal responsibility, being principled, not wanting to own other people, which means you don't get to tell them what to do if they're not doing something to harm other people. Uh, so so don't try to own other people and basically just try to spread that crazy idea that no one's ever talked about before. Try to spread that idea around to as many people as possible. And also try to uh, get yourself in the best position that you could possibly be in. You know who's not really worried about coronavirus or the economy right now? I'm Jeff Bezos. He's probably not that worried about it right now. People that are above that threshold of uh, having FU money, you know, like once you get into that position where you're just extremely comfortable and you're living really smart and, and all that, like, those people are not super worried about what's going on with the economy. They might be a little bit nervous seeing their accounts go down or their, you know, their investments go down or whatever, but they're in a good position. So do what you can to get yourself in a strong position. That way you can go out and help other people. That's, you know, if you're on an airplane and the, the oxygen mask come down, like you put your mask on first and then you help the people around you because you're no good to anyone if you're uh, unconscious. Like, then you can't help anyone whatsoever. So that's getting yourself in the best footing possible. So you, then you can go out and help other people. Yeah, I'm not sure I've seen that um, the private planes have been grounded. <laughs> at yeah, all. I don't think that's. I don't think that's really happening. Uh, they when don't you fall have under your own, that same purview. <laughs> you know, they're not really worried about public parks because they have their own pools and their own basketball courts and their, you know, all, all this stuff. And plus, if something you want to have a party, probably just pay off the right cops or government people and you can do whatever you want. So I just want to be in that position where I can, yeah. <laughs> where, I can <laughs> where I can buy myself freedom. That's that's where I want to be is uh, freedom isn't free, you know, and uh and, and Jeff Bezos has probably got plenty of freedom. I've always said this, like I, you know, my goal in life, one of, one of my goals is to be as wealthy as possible. And, and why is that something I, I kind of picked up from Jason Stapleton and a, and a few other people, but like literally being wealthy 
provide you with the most freedom possible, which is why we talk about what we talk about every single day, like adopting personal responsibility, building your own wealth and understanding your financial future. All these things we talk about, it all leads to liberty and all of that leads to the most abundant, fulfilling life you could possibly live in this earth. And guess what? You only get one shot, man, lady, you get one shot. That's it. Unless you believe in reincarnation. I don't know. Maybe you do, but if you don't, you get one shot at it. Like, that's it. Why not? What? Like you're full of all of these possibilities and potential. Why not go for it all? What do you have to lose? As the great philosopher, Marshall Mather said, you only get one shot, you know, one opportunity to see, you don't want to let it slip. Okay. Yeah. You just have to lose yourself in the music and the moment. Yeah. You got to own it. Mom spaghetti. Better never let it go. Yeah. You only get one shot. So I just wanted to go ahead and make sure everyone <laughs> knew that quote. Thought it was very important. When so does your I, next album drop? Oh, I put out enough albums. <laughs> I'm retired. Yeah. yeah. I've got my shrine back here <laughs> to to music back here and, and also over here. The, those things up there, Charlie, I don't know if I've ever showed you this before, but my very first tour I ever went on, um, which was with an artist named Cassidy Pope, uh, winner of The Voice, one of those years, I don't know. Um, very first tour I ever went on, that is an armband from each one of the venues that we that we played at. And so I kept every one of them. I wore them, you know, each one of them throughout the entire tour. You know how you do that, because they're cool. And then you wear the, well, when you graduate the tour tags, you don't have to have those pesky armbands anymore. But my very first tour, I kept all the armbands and I took them all off at the end of the tour and I put them in a bag and I said, someday I'm going to put these in a glass case of emotion. And that's what we have <laughs> right there on the wall is, is that. And then yeah. below that, I've got a picture of you and I in our very first, well, our second band. I don't know if uh, Aaron's here uh, still, but he was in our first band with us. This is our, he was in this band, first band, second band third band <laughs> this one right here and then he crudely quit abruptly so uh anyway this is my shrine to music and i'm and i'm done I'm yeah done. I, yeah so. I, I um i i see your armbands there i have a, just a whole box full of tour tags yeah so um i think i might have skipped the armband phase i also right here <laughs> just tour tags huh I've got some over here. You don't have an M- you don't have an MTV VMA tour tag like I do no, over here. I don't though. have one of those. I no, do. No. I do have one of those. So uh, and then I have all those little coins that you get from the military bases when you travel around and do the armed forces tours. Yeah. Um, got a whole box full of them things. There's a nice whole mess full of them. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done. You're I'm gonna retired. bury those. Bury those for your kids. Yep. To find it. one day that you- I was talking about burning my guitars and putting their ashes in an urn <laughs> the other day. I thought that would be nice. That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right, Nate. Um, Don't well, worry, Aaron. I'll give you that guitar back before I set it on fire. <laughs> you have one of Aaron's. <laughs> it's an interesting story. Aaron's a really great guy. He really great guy. I had this guitar that was my favorite guitar ever in the whole world. It's that white Fender uh, thin line. Telecaster back there is my favorite guitar ever in the whole world. I was really hurting, really hurting for money one time, long time ago, and I sold it to to Aaron, and he paid me for it. And then several years later, he drove to one of our shows on tour, and he knew that I was just so heartbroken from 
having to get rid of that guitar, he surprised me and gave me the guitar back on tour. And then I quit playing music a few shows after that. So I had, you know, I don't know what that means, but, um, no. So I have that guitar back here still, which legally belongs to to Aaron. Uh, and he can come over and play it anytime he wants. Yeah. He can come over and he can walk into my house without permission and play the guitar. And that's how it works. It's in the Geneva convention. Yeah. You look it up. Yeah. Well, before we move on to this timeline quickly, I wanted to tell you guys, speaking of taking personal responsibility and, uh, you know, controlling your financial future, we do offer a way that you can understand the, the markets, the stock market and wonder what's going on. You know, last week it came up a bit. Now it's coming back down this week. And what is going on? Is the economy going to open? Is it not going to open? What does that mean for your future? What does it mean for your 401k or any of those types of things? And if you just want to understand it, we are offering educational things to where if you've never even looked at a stock chart before, that you can understand exactly what it means. And you can do that by going to mastermytrades.com. That's mastermytrades.com, where we will walk you through the very basics of trading and we'll walk you through the basics of the stock market. So you'll learn the psychology of trading. You'll learn how to read a candlestick chart. You'll learn about ordering platforms and those different types of things. Uh, You'll also learn about this, uh, uh, I already said psychology, I'm sorry, basic terminology and the different things. And so when you're watching maybe, you know, money watch on CNN or something like that, and you're like, what the hell are they talking about? Or your financial advisor said something, you'll be like, what is he talking about? Then you'll understand this is part of taking personal responsibility for your own future. You have to understand it's not, it's not, uh, efficient to be an expert in every single thing in life, but you do need to have an understanding of different things in life to where, you know, somebody is not just screwing you. And so taking control of that is very important. And you can do that. Uh, Nate is the wonderful guy who knows just about everything there is to know. And he is leading this effort at mastermytrades.com. And, and Nate, I don't know if you want to add to that, but no, it it's, is, just uh, a, it's just a fun class. It's, it's it, been awesome. We're structuring that, uh, let me see here. We're structuring structuring that in a, in weekly blocks of videos. This is low float week. We spend the spend a week on uh, a bunch of different strategies. So weeks on learning the basics, and then we're going a week for each strategy. And then we're going to bring everything all together. Uh, after after all of that, we're going to spend a week on forex trading. I'm going to spend a week on using some of these strategies for swing trading. Uh, so we're going to go through and just try to get everybody up to speed as quickly as possible with where I am after about seven years of trial and error and learning and trading and learning and trading and taking other people's classes that cost like $5,000 literally. Uh, so, you know, buy someone else's experience as Jason Sable and said on our show, that's what you're doing at mastermytrades.com. Uh, I paid five grand for some classes and I paid a thousand dollars just to watch someone trade for a while. Like that's it. I just gave a thousand dollars. Can I watch you trade live? How about that? So anyway, after all that, go to mastermytrades.com, do what Stapleton says, which is to buy someone else's experience, buy all of their mistakes and learning from their mistakes. And now at the level that they're at right now and Get yourself going. Take control of your own future so you're not wondering what the heck is going on all the time in this market. And if the gall darn SEC could just be demolished, we would be able to <laughs> have a lot more fun with this class right now. But good Lord, 
they're so annoying and the rules you got to we're going to have to read a literally a rule book just on putting stuff on the website for trading. So guys, this is not a get get rich quick scheme. This takes time. This takes effort. This takes learning a lot and a lot and making mistakes and learning more. You learn more from mistakes than you do from winning. I think. Look, and I'll um, tell you, I'll tell you, we're not the only people out there doing training courses on trading. So you guys can go out and shop the market if you want to, but I'm telling you, you're going you're to get the best value for what we do. Um, the, well, some of the, the most valuable classes I can find are running anywhere between the 150 to, to $3,000 a month range. And so, our basics start just at $47 a month. There's nothing else out there that you're going to get the quality from. And so mastermytrades.com, that's where you got to go. Start taking responsibility for your life, man. Freaking do it. Do it. All right, hey, take walk me, me through, through this. You want me to take you through it? I'll take you through some, and then you take us through some. Yeah, this one's so, kind of long, so... Well, yeah. I'm going to run through it like real quick. We don't have to elaborate on every on everything here, but let's just talk about this timeline real quick to end up the to end the podcast. We're we're probably close to an hour right now, but understand this timeline. It's pretty crazy. This comes from Fox News, so go ahead and assume bias in one direction. But they do speak uh, and point out a lot of things that the Dr. Fauci uh, said that were very inaccurate within just a month ago uh, that he was saying. So. It says, as reporters looked on during a contentious White House briefing this week, President Trump stepped aside and played a brief campaign video showing several media figures downplaying the coronavirus in January and February, including some personalities who now argue the president didn't act quickly enough. All right. So so this is true. What, what we need to realize is that um, everyone downplayed this. And the problem is they're the same people that downplayed this and also called Trump xenophobic for wanting to close the border that are now saying that he isn't taking it seriously enough and isn't doing enough. So you can't, it's a, it's a heads I win, tails you lose kind of scenario that, that he's in right now. There's no way to get around that. And we're just going to run through the timeline through different dates of where people were as this was going on. And we'll take it up through the end of March real quick. It says, January 4th, the head of University of Hong Kong Center for Infection warns that the city should implement the strictest possible monitoring system for a mystery new viral pneumonia that has infected dozens of people on the mainland, as it is highly possible that the illness is spreading from human to human. This January 4th. January 6th, the CDC issues a level one travel watch the lowest of its three levels for China's outbreak. According to the University of Minnesota Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy, the CDC said cause and transmission mode aren't yet known. This is January 6th. It's so crazy how far you come. And it advised travelers to Wuhan to avoid living or dead animals, animal markets, and contact with sick people. So January 8th. Yeah, you know, when I take a vacation, I, I try to find the sick people. That's yeah. I mean, that's what I normally go for. Yeah. There's been a lot of places to go to lately. Uh, January eighth, the Who, not the band, uh, declares preliminary preliminary identification of a novel virus in a short period of time is a notable achievement and demonstrates China's increased capacity to manage outbreaks. That's what the Who said on January eighth. January eleventh, China reports its first coronavirus death on January eleventh. January 14th, the WHO announces preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human -human transmission of the novel coronavirus identified in Wuhan, China. 
Meanwhile, according to the Associated Press, internal Chinese documents show that government officials acknowledged likely human-to-human transmission of coronavirus and said they were following orders from the president of China. And this is somewhere around this time is when they built a hospital in like three days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, nothing to see here. We're just going to build this hospital three days. For no reason. Just to show that we can. Yeah. January 15th, Trump and China signed phase one of a trade deal to rein in a historic and damaging trade war. January 17th, the CDC and Department of Homeland Security announced that travelers from the U.S. from Wuhan will undergo new screening at several major major airports. January 17th. January 19th, who hedges somewhat not hedges somewhat, not enough is known to draw definitive conclusions about how it has transmitted the clinical features of the disease, the extent to which it has spread, or its source, which remains unknown. Let's see. Uh, January 22nd, Trump said uh, this is whether or not he's concerned. No, not at all. And we have it totally under control. One person coming in from China and we have it under control. It's going to be just fine. Uh, Which, you know, that's fine. What's different is if he were now saying it's crazy that people weren't taking it seriously at this time. That's that's crazy, which is what the media is doing. Yeah. And this was the United States first case. They came back from China on January 15th. They were. They're calling their infection date January 10th. So if you go look at the numbers, it says United States first case was January 10th. And that's from this this person uh, who came back on the 15th, technically. But they were uh, their infection date was the 10th. Uh, So January 23rd, Vox publishes an article stating that travel bans to fight viruses don't work. The article initially referred to the Wuhan coronavirus before being edited weeks later. The article's URL remains unchanged. You can't change the URL afterwards unless you repost a new article. Trust me. Yep. It say it keeps the name in the in the URL. That's what it stays. Uh, so that's pretty funny. Vox calling it Wuhan coronavirus and saying that travel bans are just not a good idea. Yeah, okay? they just don't work, man. Yeah. So Anthony Fauci, director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, say in a journal of AMA podcast that the U.S. wouldn't implement shutdowns of cities like what was occurring in China. There's no chance in the world that we could do that to Chicago or New York or to San Francisco, but they're doing it. So let's see what happens. Ah, So this is like the chief um, doctor, basically, for the the United States has been for 40 years. He is the top scientist when it comes to infectious diseases. And he's saying, ah, no big deal. No chance. This is January 23rd. No chance. This is is the guy, mind you, that is advising the president of the United States. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. Dr. Anthony Fauci. He says there's no chance in the world we could do that to Chicago or New York or to San Francisco. So it's pretty crazy. No chance in the world, by the way. January 24th, Trump tweets in praise of China's transparency. (laughs) <laughs> on April 1st, the Biden campaign mocked the president for the tweet and claiming Biden publicly warned Trump not to trust China. <laughs> OK. OK. Uh, so political <laughs> reports that the Trump administration held a briefing on the coronavirus for senators, but it was sparsely attended in part because it was held on the same day as a deadline for senators to submit their impeachment questions. Uh, and. They said the initial thought from the Democrats is that we were trying to distract them from impeachment. That's what the Im- initial thought was. So uh, January 26th, the American people well, should well, not be. Hang war- on, not not too long after that, though, some of those senators that were in that meeting went ahead and sold some stocks. Yeah, not too did. long after that. Yeah, 
Um, let's see, January 26th, the American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. Dr. Fauci says uh, at the Cats Roundtable, it isn't something that the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about. It's just pretty crazy to see uh, just how fast things can change. So it says um, January 28th, three days before Trump closes off most travel from China. Uh, let's see, who is it? Klain. Who's Klain in here? Uh, Ron Klain, coronavirus advisor. Oh, Biden's coronavirus advisor. Says he opposes uh, shutting down travel to China. So uh, let's see, who declares global health emergency? Um, then we start moving on to the travel ban. New York Times is saying that uh, Trump's decision to restrict travel from China was more of an emotional or political reaction. Washington Post runs a story quoting Chinese official asking for empathy and slamming the White House for acting in this way. Vox tweets, it's going to be, a, is, is this going to be a deadly pandemic? No, from Vox. The tweet was deleted uh, weeks later. Yeah, tweet was deleted. Uh, let's see. And then we're at, of course, everyone is very upset about uh, this whole travel ban. It's just completely xenophobic is what everyone is talking about. Uh, then we start talking about all these cruise ships getting sick. We start talking about how, oh, February 13th, look at this. There are zero confirmed cases of coronavirus in New York City and hundreds of Chinese restaurants that need your business, the New York City mayor's office tweeted. So pretty interesting. Um, it's it's another I mean, literally, I believe at the beginning of March, Bill de Blasio said in a tweet, since I'm encouraging New Yorkers to go on with your lives and get out of t and get out on the town despite the coronavirus, I thought I would offer some suggestions. New York City, Bill de Blasio said in his tweets, here's the first uh, Thursday, three, five, go see the traitor, uh, which is a. a he says, if The Wire was a true story and set in Italy, it would be this film. So he starts off the tweet with, since I'm encouraging New Yorkers to go on with your lives and get out on the town despite the coronavirus, I thought I would offer some suggestions. Wow. <laughs> this is the beginning of March. Now, listen, what I'm not what I'm what I'm trying not to say here is uh, that these people were just wrong about it. What I am saying is that now with them acting like anyone who thought these things is just a crazy conspiracy theorist who thought that this was nothing, that's the hypocritical part of it. That if you're someone who is literally saying, tweeting on March 2nd, that I'm encouraging people to go on with your lives and get out on the town despite the coronavirus, and then you're talking about how irresponsible other people are, and how it's crazy that people aren't taking it seriously. We need to be a little bit careful of how you're how you're conducting yourself there, and and maybe go through your Twitter and make sure no one screenshot anything as you go through there. So it's you can keep going through this through this timeline like crazy. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's all kinds of articles about how xenophobic Trump was for closing off the border, uh, then how crazy it is to cut off the travel from Europe, and then of course once. <laughs> they catch up to what's going on, then he's not doing enough things to stop. And that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, I hate being put here to defend Trump right now, but the guy can't win for losing here. It's just not going to happen. It, it, there's no way that you come out a winner. If he has a terrible economy, then it's going to be his fault. And if he opens the economy, then that's going to be his fault. Like, there aren't any winning options here. I definitely do not envy him being in that position whatsoever when it comes to this so it's just 
don't be hypocritical about it. If you are like us who have been saying this is not as big of a deal as what everyone's making it out to be, everyone needs to calm down, be responsible, wash your hands, wear a mask if you want to, go on about life and just be as responsible as possible. If you're like us, then uh, we don't need to say a month from now, I just can't believe how irresponsible everyone is and not wanting to take this thing seriously and all these freaking conspiracy theorists that just think that this is just a crazy hoax. I don't know what what they're thinking. Like, that's not how we're going to start talking about this a month from now. If we did start talking about this a month from now like that, you would know that we were just complete hypocrites. The, and And that's what you would be able to say about that. So that's all I have to say about that, Charlie. Yeah, and what I've said the whole time is pay just pay attention to all this. It's just unbelievable how quickly we forget these things. And this timeline is astounding. You know, some of the stuff we skipped over, if you guys get a chance, go check this out. This is uh, from Fox News. but uh, I put a just, link in the uh, notes, I think, on yeah. the YouTube and on Patreon. And I'll put it on the show notes when we release yeah. here. But go, let's go look at this because even the Biden campaign, um, they tweeted out – um, or they made a statement uh, contradicting their first statement. Uh, and, and so it's just all of this is so interesting, interesting. And this is honestly why Trump played his campaign ad that he played. Yeah, look at this. Uh, Mark, Mark Levine, not Mark Levin, who was the chair of the New York City Council Health Committee and a Democrat, tweeted on February 9th, in a powerful show of defiance of coronavirus scare, huge crowds gathering in New York City's Chinatown for ceremony ahead of annual Lunar New Year parade. Chance of be strong Wuhan. If you are staying away, you are missing out. Now, what, what a lot of people forget is there were rallies for people to go get out there and patronize Chinatown. Just get out there, go to all these events. Stop letting to uh, stop listening to the xenophobia and trying to make you scared of this. Like that's what was going on at first. You were showing people holding public gatherings purposefully in the you know Chinatown areas of cities to show this. Of course, the the point there is that they're holding large public gatherings to show that there was nothing to be afraid of at this time. And now, of course, the uh, the shoe is on the other table, which is turned right now. So. <laughs> That's such a good one. Yeah. She was on the other turntable. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's round this out, this conversation out with uh, new reports. Now, this is coming from Fox News. However, it's been uh, corroborated uh, with CNN, ABC, all the major news outlets. Now, I was talking to Nate sometime last week about a documentary that I had seen circling Facebook and YouTube uh, from the Epoch Times, which is a very... Um, you could say right-leaning organization that's not considered a major outlet, let's say. Um, however, now, uh, as of yesterday, I sent this to, to Nate. I saw this last night um, from Fox News and CNN, ABC. Everybody's picked this up. Sources believe coronavirus outbreak originated in Wuhan lab as part of China's efforts to compete with the U.S. So, no longer is it this Wuhan wet market. In fact, the Wuhan wet market doesn't even sell bats. They don't sell bats there. Um, but you notice, I don't know if you watched this show or not, Nate. Probably not. I, I thought it was going to be really dumb, but I got really sucked into it. It's called This Is Us. It's very dramatic, and I'm mad no. enough to admit that I have cried a few times. Um, and they, 
they just dramatize life really well. But anyway, we were, we're behind and not to add any spoilers, but at one point they go to Vietnam and this girl is eating bat soup in Vietnam. And I'm like, what a time <laughs> to be watching this episode. This was like, I think in season three and I believe they're on season five now, but I'm like, Oh, what a time to be watching this one where she's eating bat soup in Vietnam. But anyway, um, they don't even sell bats at this Wuhan wet market, but uh, I'll read this story here. Uh, there is increasing confidence and evidence that it doesn't say that in the, in the, uh, article, but there is evidence out there. So increasing confidence that the COVID-19 outbreak likely originated in a Wuhan laboratory, though not as a bioweapon, but as part of China's attempt to demonstrate that its efforts to identify and combat viruses are equal to or greater than the capabilities of the United States. <laughs> Multiple sources who have been briefed on the details of early actions by China's government and seen relevant materials tell Fox News. Now, they don't want you to think this is a bioweapon. Of course it's not. This has nothing to do with trade or, you know, competition between countries or anything like that. It's just, uh, they're just trying to compete as far as being able to combat viruses, you know? Um, so this may be the costliest government cover up of all time. In quotes, one of the sources said the sources believe the initial transmission of the virus a naturally occurring strain that was being studied. There was bat to human. And that patient zero worked at the laboratory, then went into the population in Wuhan. The increasing confidence comes from classified and open source documents and evidence. The sources said Fox news has requested to see the evidence directly sources emphasized as often as a case with intelligence that it's not definitive and should not be characterized as such. Some inside the administration and the intelligence, uh, and epidemiological communities are more skeptical and the investigation is continuing. What all the sources agree about is the existence cover-up of data and information about COVID-19 orchestrated by the Chinese government. Asked by Fox News' John Roberts about the reporting, President Trump remarked at Wednesday's coronavirus press briefing, press briefing, quote, More and more, we're hearing the story. More and more, we're hearing the story. We are doing a very thorough examination at this horrible of this horrible situation. Documents detail early efforts by doctors at the lab and early efforts at containment. The Wuhan wet market initially identified as possible point of origin never sold bats. And the sources tell Fox News that blaming the wet markets was an effort by China to, to deflect blame from the laboratory, along with the country's propaganda efforts targeting the U.S. and Italy. U.S. Embassy officials warned in January 2018 about inadequate safety at the Wuhan Institute of Virology lab and pass on information about scientists conducting risky research on coronavirus from bats. The Washington Post reported Tuesday. Responding to the report, uh, responding to the report, General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said on Tuesday afternoon, "It should be of no surprise to you that we have taken a keen interest in that, and we've had a lot of intelligence take a hard look at that." I would just say at this point, it's inconclusive, although the weight of evidence seems to indicate natural, but we don't know for certain. Quote, even today, I see them withholding information, and I think we need to do more to continue to press them to share. Secretary of Defense Mark Esper told America's Newsroom. Esper added that he wouldn't speak to intelligence reporting, but that most people believe it began naturally. It was organic, if you will. I think in due course, once we get through the pandemic we're in right now, there'll be time to look back and really ascertain what happened and make sure we have a better understanding so we can prevent this in the future. So all that to say, 
<laughs> maybe some of the conspiracy theorists were right. What do you think about that, Nate? Yeah, I think generally there's a little bit of truth in conspiracies, but um, I, you know, we won't know a whole lot for we won't really know why any of this started for a while, if ever. You know, the, there's there's really just no way that we'll ever know. Um, I I could speculate wildly that this was purposeful, and I could see every reason that they would do it on purpose, and then I could. Now, I have see a question for you: If the evidence, maybe it wasn't. If the evidence shows that, is China in any way responsible? Is this an act of war against um, the world? Define Even, evidence. If they could prove that this laboratory was developing a type of virus like this to look like an accident, but it. It ended up not being one. Yeah. Um, it depends on the evidence to me. Um, I've We've been presented with several points of evidence to move into all types of wars before. So I, I initially would not trust any of the evidence that would, if it's something that will lead to war, I'd have to hear it from is this, all kinds. Is this of, a WMD inside of China? It's possible. It's very possible. <laughs> I mean, uh, the bioweapons exist. That's a literal thing that people do. People, uh, they make bioweapons. That's, that's, not, that's not a speculation. Uh, countries develop bioweapons, and they develop chemical weapons, and they develop all, all these things to try, and, uh, to try and kill people in populations. So it happens. Um, this is very possible that that's, that that's what this was. Um, if you... It, Let's say it were true and not speculate about whether or not it's true. If it were true that they did this, then yes, it would be an act of war. I, I do think if it were true, I'm saying, you know, so what you do you do about to, that? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I guess you develop an even stronger bioweapon and take it to them. No, I don't. I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what you do. Uh, honestly, I'd be hesitant to say um, go to war because I have to do the arithmetic on that and the amount of people that would die in a war with China. Um, even Americans uh, would probably greatly outweigh the amount of people that are going to die from coronavirus. And I don't know how to do the math on whether or not you take physical action on that. I don't know. I, I'd have to see how strong the evidence is how many people have died and what the proposals are, but I'm pretty hesitant to say that there's any actual acts of war. I think there's defense um, and you be as defensive as possible. I can't really be, uh, I can't really call for proactiveness, really. Retaliation, I guess, but uh, I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I don't know how to define it. You know, out of all, it's kind of interesting in that timeline, how you, you know, Biden tweeted out that he publicly warned Trump about China. It's like, I can't remember another president that has been more harsh about China uh, and vocal about China, his entire presidency. Yeah. I, I can't think of one. I can't think of a time in my life where a president campaigned and, and publicly spoke about another country as much as he did China. Yeah. Now I mean, he's, he's of been course, extremely anti-China the entire time. Yeah. It's been like his main thing. Well, he's weirdly like anti-China and very bad deals, but he loves President Xi somehow. Well, I think he just knows how <laughs> potentially that culture works and that he's going to have to be 
uh, sucking up as much as possible to get them to um, concede on anything that for for them to concede on something, it has to look like they won in some kind of way. And that's yeah. the only way that they would do it. Um, that is, I think that's, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, just ty- parts of those types of cultures, you could say. Uh, I mean, you you ran into that in World War II, even with the, with the Japanese. And basically, you don't want to mess with Asians, is what, what we found out. And that's why I feel so powerful, is because I've got so much Asian blood <laughs> that um, I can do anything I want, basically. And everyone's got to be respectful and, you know, all kinds of all kinds of great stuff like that. But you just don't mess with them because they don't, you know, they just don't quit. You know, they're stronger than everybody, okay? You know the art of war, just like yeah, the book. exactly. Now, it's listen. In, it's in your did, blood. Did, uh, did the people who want to... Uh, make American business stronger, plant this virus in China. So this whole thing would come out and we would blame it on China. And then we would, we would turn off our trade with them. And then we would be able to bolster all of the American based businesses. And we would be able to get into a war or something like that too. Did, did, you know, you gotta be, that's the thing. Like, I just can't, I can't just take like, oh, here's a report that came out and said that they did this. Who wrote the report? Who gathered the information? Who who did all of that? What are their motivations? What, what I just can't. I just I, all I can do is be defensive. I can't. I just not. I'm not going to trust a single report that comes from anyone unless Ron Paul does a report. I'll trust it. That's it. <laughs> You're so. saying Lockheed Martin and Halliburton went over there and planted this virus. I'm saying that that is a possibility. You'd have to, if you're going to look at China doing it purposefully, you got to look at human beings being terrible people, and also realize that then, you know, they could have planted the evidence at the scene just to frame them. You know, you never know. (laughs) And that's what we're getting at here. You don't know. Yeah. You have no idea. No one knows. Yeah. So uh, listen, we're on like an hour and eighty-five minutes right now into the podcast, so (laughs) we're going to go ahead and. Go ahead and uh, cut this. Um, I think the really, you know, the really important stuff was, um, you know, take control of your own futures. Be as responsible as possible in this situation. Get yourself on the best footing to help yourself and your family and your friends in any time that they are in need. Uh, we can all complain about this stuff all day. We The way to actually make this stuff not matter is to get above all of it. That's that's the only way to really do it because you're never going to stop this crap from happening. It's just not going to. you got to get above all of it where you don't care if it happens. That's about it. And then you can help from your from your perch above and and help the situation. You know, luckily, Jeff Bezos put Amazon into place. That way we would have this ability to still get so many things right now like what if that never existed how would you what if none of those great online businesses never existed what if he didn't push us into a revolution for online ordering and make all of the other businesses get better at their fulfillment and and delivering their products and make fedex and ups get better at delivering all of the products what if that never happened and then we were in this situation what would everyone be doing? Would it be possible to just have to stay home all the time? What if Uber Eats was never invented? What if uh, uh, all of these things 
did not happen and we still had the same thing going on. How many more people would die in that scenario if you're truly worried about the virus, if someone like Jeff Bezos, someone like the people who started Uber had never been able to innovate and do the things that they did? That's that's what I want to know. How many lives were saved because these things exist right now? Thanks so, to true free market capitalism. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you do the math. We we can do it. I think I think overall it's a pretty strong case that we're in a better scenario now than we would be if all of those things uh, did not exist right now. We, all because we would of not, those greedy bastards pursuing profits. Just people pursuing profits, and I Imagine don't care. That. As long as they got the profits voluntarily, good things have to happen, or they wouldn't receive the profits. So yeah. I'm fine with it. But guys, subscribe to the podcast. You know, Charlie's always good at telling people to subscribe and do all kinds of stuff. But listen, we talk life, liberty, pursuit of meaning. We try to get all the truth out there, all the information out there. Show this to a friend. Show this to an enemy. Show it to your crazy communist uncle and let them finally send it to him on Facebook. He probably messages you like seven things a day. And so now you need to send him some of this information too so maybe he can start getting the right information. And what you want to do is you want to tell your friends, your family, you want to leave a rating, you want to leave a review. We just got a new review on Facebook. I don't know if we read it yet, but thank you to the person who reviewed us on Facebook. By the way, you get the haters on Facebook. They get on there and they start posting. Oh, these people posted something good about Trump. And then someone posts literally right after. Oh, these people are never Trumpers. And you literally have the same reviews. That means you've got a pretty good libertarian page right there. But what happens is the haters come on. They damage your reviews. And then the algorithms are like, oh, this page kind of sucks. I don't really want to send it to anyone. So you guys that like what we do, go to our Facebook and leave a positive review they're they're killing us anytime i share something into a group that's like republicans versus democrats or or politics in america a bunch of people from those pages go to our website and leave a bunch of negative reviews so you guys need to go on there and leave some positive let's have a review war between the two nonviolent review war is what <laughs> i'm calling for i'm i'm declaring a review war right now on the podcast. We'll put the link to the Facebook page and do it on your podcast app and on the Facebook page. And let's win this war once and for all. Uh, that's freedom. Should I yell freedom right now? Yeah. I'm not going to. Freedom. <laughs> what a great message. What a great message of hope that was. <laughs> if you guys want to join a war, <clears throat> we've got one for you. It is the <laughs> review war. And you can be on the winning side and do that. Go go do it. Um, <clears throat> if you guys do all of that, and I mentioned, oh, I, you know, we forgot to mention one other thing. Um, we have all of that that you can do for us, which we greatly appreciate. The last thing to support the show is where all of our friends are located that we talk to throughout the show. They get some pre and post live. We get to hang out with them. We make all kinds of jokes and they're just good people in there. And the only the way to get into that in crowd is by going to patreon.com slash good morning liberty. At Patreon, you have to pay us money. It's not free. This one isn't free. But it's as little as five dollars a month. And you get access to this live. Nate's been putting up video blogs, extra podcasts. There's all kinds of valuable information. Plus you get merch discounts. There's several different tiers you can sign up for. We'll do ads for you, all kinds of cool things. And so if you want to get in on that action, 
That's at patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. That's how you can support the show. That's how you can get exclusive access to all of the extra things that we do for this free show. And uh, five bucks a month. I mean, that's nothing. You can also do like 10 or 20. There's 50. There's even $100 a month if you are at Bezos's level. And uh, we will advertise for you. If you've got your own podcast or a website or something you want promoted, uh, that's one way to get on there to do it. So patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. If you guys do all of that, and I mean all of it, then we'll be back again tomorrow to do this all over again. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids.